Alright guys, what's up? Art Morrison III here with another episode of Hoop Chatter by Above Max. I got my boy Rob with me, the analyst. I got the agent with me, Kevin Tarker, and we're talking about pay-to-play, NCAA basketball, Title IX, image and likeness, and this controversial topic that has infiltrated not only us three, we're already like, yo, fist balled up, ready to fight here about this topic, but it's been an ongoing thing for the last two years, and we want to talk about it today with you all. Feel free to chime in via the DMs at Hoop Chatter Podcast on Instagram, or you can email info at abovemaxbball.org. I want to kick it off with everyone stating, um, actually, better yet, Tarka, I'm going to kind of pass, pass it over to you, and I want to say, I'm going to open it up with a question to you. What, what do you feel, what's your general opinion about pay, players being paid or not? Because these people weren't here for our whole argument just now. Let's take it a step back. Your general opinion on NCAA participants being paid or not? That's a loaded question and a lot to dive into, but I think a lot of it stems from, let's just relate it to the, to the recent pay-to-play act, as they're calling it, in the state of California that just got passed. And this is essentially a rule that, um, that was passed uh, – in legislature that will allow all student athletes in the state of California to get paid for their names, likeness, and images starting in the year 2023. So just for some background info on this topic is essentially that players felt uh, that they were being left exploited, exploited, left out of uh, potential earning opportunities because they're generating a lot of branding, a lot of awareness, a lot of revenue at the end of the day for their schools. Um, You know, when you think of a player like Zion Williamson at Duke, um, how much money and awareness and branding and revenue that that player brought to that school with, um, you know, his involvement on the team alone. Um, Now, obviously there are different levels of these players, but at the end of the day, uh, when, when, when players sign uh, an agreement, a scholarship agreement with the NCAA, they are giving up their right to profit off of their name, their likeness, and their image. Whether that means um, being a part of, an, of a video game, which I can speak to personally from 2010, the last year that the video game was made, um, all the way to um, being allowed to have a local endorser or a local brand pay them money to put their face on a mug on a certain company, right? So... This is the main argument, and again, you know, the state of California just passed that rule that starting 2023, anyone that goes to a university, an NCAA-sanctioned university in California, will be allowed to profit off of that. Um, That's where we are now. A lot of states have followed followed suit. Um, I guess we'll just continue with with Rob's kind of feedback well, what's on, your that? Opinion on, it, on I, that i mean my, my opinion is is that the ncaa has been exploiting student athletes for a long time now that's a bold statement because i was a student athlete and um okay i was not exploited in terms of financially because i am aware that my involvement on the roster of quinnipiac university did not bring hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue to that school so I'm aware of that. Right. So so everybody has different levels. Um, and, and every conference and every division has, has different levels of the revenue that they bring in. But generally speaking, for the most part, let's just say um, let's just say I had a unique skill and I could make 
um, you know, a half court shot every time I touched the ball. And I wanted to record a video and start a YouTube channel and generate branding revenue from advertisements on YouTube because I was wearing my Quinnipiac University jersey and I was making half court shots. I couldn't do that because that was taking advantage of my personal brand image and likeness. So to one extent, yes, I'm aware that I didn't generate that revenue, but to another one, they're completely um, controlling something that's outside of their authority of what should be their authority, right? So if Zion Williamson wants to go down to the local uh, coffee shop or an, uh, uh, a nationwide coffee shop and they want to pay him $20,000 a month for him to put his face on the coffee mugs because it's going to help them sell coffees and it's got nothing to do with his play on the court, he should be allowed to do that. Mm. That's my thought. So generally speaking, the NCAA is a power-hungry, controlling, authoritative uh, well, establishment. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's you're not going to hear it any other way from me. So I guess it's my turn. I'm just going to piggyback and completely agree with, with Kevin Tarka here. I, I played Division Two basketball, so this is not coming from a space of like, oh, I should have been paid. I just understand the work that it took to even get where I was, as well as the talent as well as the sacrifice and the toll it takes on your body and the everyday risk that you're taking to perform for an audience, to perform for your future, to earn a scholarship, if you will. I think too much weight is put on the value of a scholarship. It's not a guaranteed job or anything like that. Education is valuable, but a lot of weight is put on that and weight is taken off of everything I just mentioned, the risk you're putting on your body. For example, my senior year, I tore my ACL right? ACL gone. So if I was planning on, let's say, playing professional basketball, which I ended up doing, but let's say it was really bad and I could never play again, um, you know, that opportunity is gone. So if I was, let's say, if that was a Division One opportunity and I was supposed to go to the NBA and that happened, um, you know, I, I risked that opportunity by even playing in college, right? Even though college is a big opportunity, I'm not taking away from it. It is a risk when you're playing a sport and putting your body through that. So with all that being said, I, I feel that some sort of compensation is due. Now, I understand that equal opportunity, and I, I know America is capitalist, um, and we, like, I, I get all of that, but I understand that we also want things to be equal and fairness and all of that. People who bowl and everything put just as much time as basketball players, just because basketball is more popular and football is more popular, we're not due more money. So we'll talk about that strategy and why I don't think it's as simple as a check or everyone getting the same or basketball and football getting money. That ain't the case. But the image and likeness thing boils me because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a huge believer of making money out of thin air. It is hard to do. It's also hard to build a brand. I know amazing players who are just absolutely great at what they do, but are not successful at building a brand or growing a social media page or being personable, those are all external talents that I think players should be able to create revenue off of in combination with their basketball skills, also in combination with whatever school they're at. Now, I don't mind I play at Duke, I'm making a commercial or funny video for YouTube, and I can't wear a Duke shirt. That is fair. But to tell me I can't earn YouTube revenue or if I'm a young kid and I want to be a DJ, right, as well as a basketball player, you're not going to allow me to DJ at nighttime 
leveraging my my name. It has nothing to do with basketball, but I can't do it. I can't be like Zion the Hooper DJ or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm using Zion as an example because it's common. I think that that's why I think the restrictions that the NCAA put on are outdated and authoritarian and, um, you know, exploitive, plain and simple. So that's my take on it. Uh, I'll pass it off to Rob. What's your take on, on the whole pay-to-play act and, you know? I think that uh, the pay-for-play act, I think players should be paid. I think they should be allowed their, like Art said, their entrepreneurial um, abilities to market themselves and receive income for themselves that way. Um, But I do think that because the way the NCAA is set up right now and because of Title IX, with the money coming through the schools, it's going to be very hard for that to happen. And I have a couple of reasons why I believe that. Um... I mean, the, 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 the whole way the system is set up with NCAA is very contradictory, um, and it doesn't work. And with this amount of with, – with, with the amount of money that these players are bringing in and them, them to get paid on it, it would cause big tax implications, number one, for these universities for, for doing that, um, that they might not even want to take on. Um you know, and when you look at when you look at Title IX and how that would be addressed, there's a lot of questions, a lot of concerns about that. Um, there's a lot of gray area with that. Um, you know, there's ways that if it was to end amateurism and these players were to get paid, it would ultimately also help women's sports in ways I think people don't realize um, because of Title IX. Um, but I think right now, I mean, the way, the way it's set up, it, it's going to be very hard to navigate paying these players. So I think, I think the, the, the image and likeness and entrepreneurial ability of these players needs to take more control. I, I'm a, um, when we're talking about reform, reforming anything, mm-hmm. right? It's always the case that it's difficult to reform. That's why like reform is needed. Right. So. You asked Tarka earlier about being an agent, if you needed a law degree to edit contracts and things like that. And he said, no, it's literally as simple as him changing the contract. That's something that, and this is just me speaking from a business perspective, anyone disagrees, like speak up. When you're talking about control mm-hmm. and you have that control, reform is not hard if the people in control want to reform. I think what you're saying is true, but I think the thing that you're missing and not understanding is that Everything that you're saying is just based on the NCAA wanting to do it or not. They created the rules. They created the very system that you're saying is flawed and difficult to change. Mm -hmm. I think they have the power to change it if they wanted to. I think the largest issue is that they genuinely don't want to play 18 and 19-year-olds, which I understand. That part, I do feel that. Paying young play, I, I get that part. I think they genuinely just don't want to. I think they sit in a room when it's time to talk about a solution and they're all focused on throwing out all the reasons that you can't and not really think about the individual kid and the special cases where you're uh, stunting a kid's growth and you're only focused on amateurism and the sport and 
are they pro and are they not and things like that. 100%. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. They, they, especially in regards to the NTAA, they do not want to reform because they that means they lose power, they lose authority, they lose, they lose, lose control, authority. and they lose money. Facts. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, even for this, this, this new uh, pay-to-play fair act in California, the NCAA, you know, I think... It's also a common misconception that the NCAA is taking proper steps. Okay, are they? Yes, the, the, half a foot is forward. But people don't realize that the NCAA basically came out and said they okayed it. But like now that they have now they have to figure out how they're going to do that, and they have that until 2023. So they haven't really they haven't really came out with any um, logistics or rules on how they're going to do that, and if there's going to be limits and. What does that mean for uh, schools in California versus schools in different states? And how are they going to make that equal? Speaking of equal, uh, I think the biggest issue of, of debate between the three of us is, is Title IX, right? And if people don't know what Title IX is, it's um, it's essentially the, the Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights enforces Title IX, which is a sex discrimination act, um, which says verbatim and i'm reading this no person in the united states shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in be denied the benefits of or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance so when we talk about equality and pay or play and title nine that that means that women have to have the same opportunity that men do in college sports. And there needs to be the same amount of resources available and funding, right? And this mm-hmm. has been a huge issue across the country. And actually a story that I didn't get into that I can get into another time. When I was at Quinnipiac my sophomore year, I almost um, did not was not able to be on the roster because they were about to take away a roster spot from the men's team um, because they had just... It was a Title IX issue, and they were being mm-hmm. sued because there wasn't enough resources around for women's sports. Wow. Anyways, it's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think for that argument, um, y- you always have to look at facts. And I'm I'm also for reform, and I'm obviously for Title IX, but when you put things into a vacuum um, and, and in a free market, right, you have to look at where the money comes from and how it's being distributed. So... Um, in a perfect world, could there and should there be equal dis- distribution to the men's basketball team, the men's football team, the men's soccer team, the women's soccer team, the women's tennis team, the, w- the women's rowing team? Absolutely, that'd be great. But my argument is that you have to look at the facts and the revenue. So I'll give you two examples. One is where the revenue comes from um, on on the uh, – NBA side, and again, this is kind of taking out the amateurism part because um, it's kind of apples to oranges, but just for example, the NBA TV deal right now for men's National Basketball Association is comes out to $2.6 billion per year, mm-hmm. right? And the WNBA TV deal is $25 million per year, and that's why the contracts are reflected so differently, right? And, and you know, it's just, it's very difficult to change that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a proponent for... Um, raising the contracts of the WNBA, which actually they just took a big step with recently, and that's right. great. And there needs to be there needs to be additional resources and ways to do that, and I think there are. But at the end of the day, there needs to be people coming together to figure out how they can get bigger TV deals or how mm-hmm. they can attract more eyes or they get because the money doesn't come out of thin air. 
owners aren't just going to pay people and lose money every year. It's a business. It's a free market, right? So Facts. that $25 million a year needs to, needs to go up. It needs to come from somewhere. Right. The reason why NBA contracts are so crazy is because that two point six million dollars per year billion billion. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and now another example is it's almost the opposite. And that is and, and there's a lot of facts to this. And I just have a few key ones written down because, um, you know, I didn't get to dive into the whole thing. But the, the U.S. women's soccer team versus the mm -hmm. U.S. men's soccer team. And in the recent years, there was a huge argument that the women's team was getting paid a lot less than men's, and they were doing much better, winning more games and, and generating more brand awareness, which is completely true. And, you know, there was a lot of people that argued that, you know, the men's salaries or their the, the money that they made was justified, which I did not agree with because there was facts behind it. And yep. between 2016 and 2017, uh, this is just one small fact, so uh, you know I know there could be different variables, but the the revenue brought in from women's games, um, gross revenue was nine million dollars, and between 2016 and 17, the gross revenue brought in from men's games was three million dollars. So triple. So women shouldn't be getting three paid three times more than men. So that was unjust, and 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 they did take steps to fix it. I know there are a lot more facts, but that's just an example. You mean so women should? Women should, yeah. Should, women, okay. Absolutely. Okay. If they're generating three times more revenue, yeah. then that revenue should be filtered down to them. Facts. Now, I know I, you know, I, I kind of got off tangent because the whole amateurism thing is definitely a different beast, right? But, you know, the, the, the NCAA, the, there's, there's enough money to find a way to spread this to the college athletes. Because speaking of TV deals, the NCAA TV deal from 2025 to 2032 increases to $1.1 billion per year. Nuts. And we're not talking about paying LeBron James $40 plus million. Right? No, so, so, so where does that money go? And of course, it goes to some great things. Of course, it, it, it organizes the NCAA championships and it pays for... Well, th then you go to some things that's not so great. It pays for multi-million dollar arena upgrades, coaches' salaries, this and that. So, as you can tell with me kind of spitting out random facts left to right, it's a beast. And and, and there, it's very difficult to come to a conclusion on how you can you can fix it, right? It's almost too, too big to fail, if you will. Right. Right? Um, but somehow, some way, players need to be compensated for their skill set because at the end of the day it's the chicken or the egg you know well would the players get the opportunity of playing in front of you know 20,000 people if duke wasn't didn't exist at that age maybe not would duke ever generate as much revenue as they do with zion williamson coming to to play for them and having the eyes of people Absolutely definitely not, not. so the, the main debate here is kind of going back and forth on how they can solve this but but i, I think the, the biggest thing for myself included that i try to keep myself updated on is the facts Right, like there's 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 lawsuits, there's there's um, you know federal acts, there's there's all sorts of facts that you need to educate yourself on in order to be in order to speak on potential resolutions. Based on those facts, what would be your solution in a nutshell? Obviously, don't break out the the spreadsheets and the presentations on me. But what would be your solution? What would it look like at least? So the the simplest put solution is, and obviously this is what they started in California, but I wrote this in an article three years ago, is that. Student athletes should be able to benefit on their likeness and image on anything outside of their respective sport. So if they want to put on a Duke uniform and do whatever they want to do and try to make money, no, that they can't do that because they're on the court and that's Duke and that's fine, whatever. 
But if they want to go, uh, you know, make a YouTube video or, or curate their entrepreneurial spirit and put up a lemonade stand and put their face all over it because that's their likeness and their image and they have a huge brand following, they should be able to do that. The NCAA should have no control over anything outside of their sport, that's outside of their arena. And that's, that's just, I think that's simple. Very, very simple. You know, that, that doesn't that doesn't negate any of their lost revenue uh, unless they're planning on putting up lemonade stands and, and, yeah. and putting Zion's face on it. it. You know, it doesn't... It doesn't take away from that. So I think that's the simplest, easiest step that should have been done a while ago, but the NCAA yeah. is dragging their feet. But I agree with that step. I think it's the simplest and easiest. I also think it's just step one, and I'm a little more radical about this, but I think that's step one with the image and likeness, and I like the fact that you said anything outside of the sport that they participate in because now it's like, yo, it's fair game. If I want to have a T-shirt company with a picture of me dunking because I'm famous for that, like, let me have that, right? So... With that being said, what Rob and I were just discussing, and we ended up agreeing after a long argument, was I think that the success of the program, there's a check that happens when a program is successful. We all know it. Because when, when you play college ball, even at the Division II level, I know that like if we win the conference, we all get $250, a $250 bonus as a player. Mm-hmm. And like we can't get it cash, so they'll give us a watch. Or like some weird gift, but it's worth X amount. And every time we tap into another level, Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen, whatever, there is a check that is awarded per player. That is a fact. Google it. Now, with that being said, I think that that part needs to be taken into account in regards to compensation, as opposed to like uh, it going to the program or the program deciding how they want to divide it and what they want to invest in to distribute to the players, A. And then B, the ads, the TV deals, but really the ads. Because if the NCAA wants to have a TV deal outside of everything, that's fine. But the advertising that they generate from these games, the the teams that are most known, the players that are most known, most known that like if I'm an advertising company or if I'm McDonald's and I want to run an ad, I'm not going to run the ad on Caldwell University versus freaking Pace University. I'm going to run the ad on Duke versus UNC. So I think Duke and UNC as a program should be compensated for that. And that program should be responsible for distributing it through the players on that team. Now, Rob kind of had a little different. I'll let him dive into it. He said throughout that school's athletic department, I think team specific. Rob, I'll give you a moment to kind of chime in on on that piece. I'll give you one second to think about before Rob chimes in, just for a couple more facts that I just double-checked. And this is for the upcoming 2000, uh, 2020, however the heck you say the year that we're in, uh, NCAA <laughs> tournament. So for every team that makes a tournament, mm-hmm. the NCAA, it's called a unit, right? They get a unit of, of financial um, whatever. Financial gift. Yeah. All right, C- call it a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, a unit, okay. And and also, for every win that a team makes, and every time they advance around, they get another unit. This year, each unit is worth $282,000. Come on, son. So, whoever makes it to the championship, you're talking over well a million dollars. Now, the NCAA then, that money for whatever school they're in, so let's just say... Um, ACC has five teams in there, right? They total that that number and they they write the check to the conference, so not to the school. 
So let's just say, for example, um, the Metro Atlantic team has a, has a school. We'll give Quinnipiac because Quinnipiac's making the tournament this year. Um, let's go. Let's, and they're actually winning the national championship. So for argument's <laughs> sake, they win the national championship, they get a million dollars. That check from the NCAA goes to the Metro Atlantic Conference, then which can choose, most of it distributed equally, but it can choose how they distribute that check to their schools. So you could do that. You know, Everybody touching it. the money, bro. Right. So, so, so that that money is is there. It's being distributed, but it's not being distributed properly. properly. So, anyways, I just want to give you that piece of 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 information. Yo, that's crazy. I'm happy you dove into that because I knew it was a thing. But yeah. thanks for the specific yeah. numbers. That's wild. Um, so restate your question again, Art. No, I was saying because I basically I stated my solution. Yeah. And what I said was I think. And he broke it down even further. The units, the way they're distributed, I think they should be distributed differently. I think right. it should go directly to the program that won. I don't mind it going to uh, the whole conference, but there should be a formula to where the, the two teams that compete for the finals, as well as the one that won the finals, should uh, receive a specific formula uh, percentage of, of that number, A. But B, what I was saying was I think it should go directly to that team, meaning basketball or football or whatever it is, right. not throughout the whole athletic department. You earlier stated the athletic department, so I was asking you to dive into that, but really yep. just dive into your whole solution, bro. Yep. So I, I think you can go one or two ways about it. Um, I think the easiest way, if you were to pay players, is to set up a, um, a equal base pay system for every player across the board in a program. I think program like the sport or the whole athletic department. The whole athletic department, and I think, and the reason why I say that is because then, equally money wise, you would get equal funding to men's and women's sports from a base pay perspective from the school. Not saying the kids can't go out and market themselves and have their own image and likeness and entrepreneurial businesses. They can still do that. So as you wear a Duke jersey, and you're a basketball player. You get a base stipend per year you're going to get paid. Is that stipend the same as the swim team? Yes. Okay. But because you wear this Duke jersey and you're Zion Williamson, you can go market yourself and make extra money that is all yours. It's not given to you by the school. It's not touched. It's your money because of who you are. Okay. I think that right there would combat my concerns of, quote, unquote, Title IX and everything being equal across the board. So that base is coming from the school or the NCAA? It's set up by the budget from the school for the athletic department. But the school is already giving scholarship. So Correct. that's where it gets dangerous. They're already giving them a good amount of money in, in scholarship. Correct. They're going to school for free. They're housed for free. They're eating for free. Correct. So you feel it should come from the school and not the NCAA? Because I'm like against the NCAA. So we broke down the restrictions. I'm against restriction. But now we're talking about the compensation part. Right. You feel it should come from the school. Right. But if you want to go free market system, right, where you're looking at, um, you know, paying players to come and commit to your school, then you could look at it like, let's say Duke wants to recruit a kid that's a five-star player, and you offer him $100,000 to come play for you. You still got to go and spend that 100, 000, another 100000 on a women's program, right, to appease Title IX. So if you give the basketball program 500000 to recruit, you give women's softball 500000 to recruit, right? And we're going to pay... So the school with the most money have the best players. Exactly. Exactly. Which is... Which, which is- I which actually, is scary. I mean, I, it's which, scary. Which then it would, it would jack the landscape. And then you're looking at, and what also makes it even crazier is the NCAA is essentially the NBA, the NFL, MLB, except those places view their players as employees, so they have unions. There's no union in the NCAA. Of course. 
So then you got to tie that factor in too. So who's going to bargain? But you're talking about the school paying, and I heard you saying something. Yeah, well, I I was just going to comment on uh, two comments. One, I I actually I love the I love the idea because the the first issue here that that we debated for a while is Title Nine, and and that's it's a huge issue. Yes. Um, I love the fact that it combined checking off the Title Nine by by making equal base pay. Let's say, which is messed up to say because like. You know, my argument is base pay. Okay, they're employees now. Anyways, yep. but it, it checks that off. Um, and then it allows them to go above and beyond free market. So it kind of is like halvesies. Exactly. So it's like, okay, I, I, I like that a lot. The only thing I would switch is is now Art's argument is that I think that original base pay should come from the NCAA. And that would be interesting mm-hmm. because that would... I'm that an NCAA would, athlete. You slap it on everything I do anyway. But the issue is they, hey, don't, wanna, they don't want to give up their money. Because oh, at the end of the day, well, of they're course. they're they're uh, giving. Yeah. They would have to t- they would have to take less money they're making and put it back into the product. Because not only so also are you paying just Division One athletes? Are you paying Division Two? Division II? Like, is if you're a division, if you're an NCAA athlete, are you getting paid? Well, what this would do is a make it more difficult to be a part of the NCAA. Right now, everyone can enter it because it helps the NCAA make money. So this would shrink the NCAA and make it. Stronger, if you will, as far as a brand and what the NCAA is. So, like, it also would make the NAIA and other opportunities uh, stronger as well because now it shrinks the NCAA. Correct. But, man, we're talking about a, a, a lot of money. The base pay concept is cool. Right now there is a base pay. It's zero. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I don't mind the base pay coming. I, I really don't mind it. I think, though, if you combine image and likeness mm-hmm. and you combine success of the team, you can get around the base thing because now you're being compensated for something that everyone had the opportunity to do. Meaning, you as a woman, even though you're not Tarter, <laughs> thanks, and, man. And you as a man, and right. you as a man, both had the opportunity to win an NCAA championship. You just didn't. You did. So I'm right. compensating you. It's still, in my opinion, you guys could correct me. Safe under Title IX, if that makes sense. It it is, but then you run into the issue. Then you run into the issue of the revenue. And the best the softball team. Pot, so 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 let's say what what's let's say Nebraska is the best softball team in the country. Right. Nebraska footballs. Let's say they're terrible. Nebraska basketball is terrible, but softball is the best team in the country, right? But they still don't bring in more revenue than the football team. And those players go win a national championship in softball, which doesn't bring in the same amount of revenue yeah, but the, in football. But so the then pot, they that's what I'm saying. Don't put it on the school. The pot is from the NCAA's big pot. So, so are you combining so, so, so are you combining every sport I, and putting it all into it on? one so pot? I'm the NCAA. Let's start about. from the top down. I'm the NCAA. I have revenue from ads. I have revenue from TV deals. I have revenue from the schools that pay us to be a part of our whatever conglomerate NCAA. So I have money. I have a pot of money mm-hmm. to appease uh, Title IX. The same way they have these units, there is a level of compensation that you're play- paying the team. The mm-hmm. team can distribute to the players, or you're paying to the players directly. The check can say NCAA. That part doesn't really matter to me right now. There is a pot that it all comes from. So even though Ohio State football brings in more revenue to the NCAA than Ohio State swim team, if Ohio State swim team wins the national championship, they get whatever rate swim teams get for, for winning, if, if that makes sense. So like so when you're I, setting sliders for each individual sport then. Uh, yes, bro, because football is, is nuts. Basketball is a little less nuts, but crazy nuts. Baseball is nuts. But like the bowling 
that's an amazing feat. They should be compensated if they win. I'm not saying that. And it should be a, a decent amount. But I'm saying is, yes, bro, there's nothing wrong with saying this sport overall drives more revenue. Now, I do think that from a sport perspective, hear me out because it's going to get confusing. Mm-hmm. If basketball revenue, so grouping basically boy and girls basketball in general. Right. So we can't say like men's football. Obviously, there's no women's football. You see what I'm saying? So right. it gets hairy the there. Nine thing came That's from. exactly. So there's no women's football, right? So football brings in the most revenue. Yeah. So football players would receive the most, but they wouldn't because football teams are also the largest team. You see what I'm saying? So now all of these, like, largest in regards to them. So what I'm saying is there's formulas and rates and blocks that you can put in to make it equal. But if you're a a women's basketball player and you win a national championship, yes, you get the same amount as a men's basketball player that wins a national championship, but you might not get the same amount as the men's bowling or men's football. But then my, my thing to combat that is then let's say you're talking about football you don't have escalators for skill position players. So now your quarterback. Now see that's where you get no, nah, you play football, bro. Like if So now get, it's now it's like, oh, I'm the quarterback of Alabama and we're winning. That's yeah. where your image and so likeness next, comes in though. That's what I'm saying. Okay. If you have both okay. Like that's so the base is the success. And the bouncer is the image okay. likeness. So like if you're that. Tim like Tebow, yeah. Yeah, I like bro, that. go do a church deal, bro. Like go yeah. for it. Like let him no, rock. It's interesting, man. I I think I mean as we wrap up here, I know we're, we're getting short on time. I, I think ultimately that there needs to be more conversations like this with, um, with I want to see their with, balance with just books. radical ideas and just just <laughs> oh, I, I, I've I've dug into them, man. They're they're well, they're they're all online. I mean, it's you know, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're it's public record, but. Um, but, but ultimately, I think there needs to be more people to have conversations like this that bring forth ideas. And, and like I said before, it's almost too big to fail, so it's it's very difficult. But hands down, no questions asked, the easiest first step is the NCAA has nothing to do with outside of the success, likeness, and images. Stop restricting. So, Don't so pay them I, yet. I think that's easiest. And then paying yeah, players... Let them, let them talk, be able to make their money. Paying players to talk about later. If you got to figure out a system, put some money in escrow, put some money after they graduate, this, whatever. There's so many ideas. But... Don't con- don't control something that, that, that you shouldn't control. So outside of the sport, let them do that. So... I think uh, I think we went back and forth. I think we could dive into a lot, a lot yeah, more. Yeah, no, that was but, good. Uh, that was a strong thirty-five minutes of an argument that kind of everyone's talking about. Appreciate you guys listening this week. Now I'm I'm gonna do a hot ticket. The guys don't even know that we're doing this, but next week you will hear from us in regards to specifically basketball because it's, it's hoop chatter and we just mm-hmm. got into football and all that. And bowling was mentioned. Next week the episode will revolve around NCAA players' relationship with the NBA. How long should they stay? Mm. Does the G League fit in? All of that. Rob has a really cool strategy that he presented in regards to money being held in escrow and players being able to be drafted but still participate in college, blah, blah, blah. So stay tuned for that next week. It it could be like a part two to this episode. Maybe we'll name it. I don't know, but stay tuned. Don't forget to follow us at Hoop Chatter Podcast on on, uh, Instagram. Email us topics and your feedback. Info at AboveMaxBball.org. Chat next week. Peace.